Welcome to the Hughes of Leadership podcast, where we dive deep into the many prominent aspects of leadership. How does leadership show up in each of us? How do we seek to have a positive influence on the lives of others? Just like Hughes, Barry, so it is how we show up as leaders and how we may flex different cues depending on the moment, the task at hand, or the individual or team we're engaging. What cues are you using today? And which will you seek to further develop? I'm your host, DJ Menifee, Chief Enrollment Officer at Susquehanna University, and also the Chief Impact Officer for the Menifee Duarte Consulting Group. And I look forward to diving into the hues of leadership with our guests. As a reminder, for season one, we're focused on people of influence, specifically those that have had a major impact on my leadership lens and philosophy. So it shouldn't come as a shock for who we have as a guest today, who has been very impactful in the ways in which I see leadership, specifically through the lens of having an ethical foundation and leading with values and beliefs. Today's guest is Raymond Blakely, a national leader in enrollment management with over 24 years of experience in college admissions, including directorships at public and private higher ed institutions. He currently serves as the president of the Texas Association for College Admissions Counseling. For those with insider language, that's TACAC, and the Director of Recruitment in the Office of Admission at the University of Texas at Austin, where he's also pursuing a Doctorate of Education in Higher Education Leadership. Welcome to the show, Raymond. Good to hear from you. Good to see you, man. Hey, it is good to be here, man, and good to be seen and not viewed. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, good. excited about our conversation. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm looking forward to diving in. And, and for our guests, as a reminder, for this show, I want to make sure I'm reiterating why I wanted Raymond on the show. Obviously, he could have turned me down, and that that would have been that would have been harmful in my feelings. No, never that, true. never that. <laughs> uh, but but when I think about his leadership, uh, I've seen him always being grounded in his values and his beliefs. There's kind of that reference of never shaken, never stirred, and and that's something that I can apply to what I've seen in Raymond. Even going back to the time where I felt like I first. We first met each other when we both were right. for national board office positions and learning about each other through that experience as we were trying to prepare for a different type of leadership and governance opportunity to the times that we've connected since then uh, as our professional journeys have taken us to different institutions and different leadership capacities while still very much being involved in association work for college admissions counseling. And so uh, the way you've led not only in our profession, but also in the way you govern man. Uh, those values and beliefs come through strong. So I appreciate you for that. Hey, well, I got I, I know this is your show, but I have to throw some of that back at you as well. You know, I'm very grateful for all the conversations that we've had in the past. And I'm also grateful being able to watch you develop as a leader as well and grow um, in the multiple institutions that you've served. You know, a lot of people believe in the fact that the idea that, you know, your goal and your mission, it follows you. Um, there isn't an institution that encapsulates what you do. You do it everywhere you go. And it's your mission. It's your goal. And uh, it's your calling. So, uh, you know, as someone who's who's watching you, you say you watching me, but I'm watching you right back, brother. And I appreciate um, the just the legacy that you're leaving in our profession. I'm humble, but also appreciative that we've had the chance on air, so to speak, to share flowers, because it's not often yeah. that people are extended their flowers and it's an opportunity for us to break bread and share it together. So I, I appreciate being acknowledged in this moment, but also Absolutely. looking forward to the conversation that we're about to unpack for our, our guests today. And Let's so one of the things with this podcast is, is trying to make sure we connect ahead of time to get a sense of 
you know, hey, what does Raymond want to talk about? This isn't about what he needs to talk about. This isn't a poll. And we we surveyed some audience as far as what they thought were leadership topics of the day. This is coming from from Raymond's his thought process and his heart as far as the discussion points he wanted to talk about today. And so we've got three topics we want to cover uh, and then we'll transition into another space where we're talking about exposure to either new leadership themes uh, and or things that we're still a work in progress. In yeah. Allowing our, our guests to reflect on that. And so let's dive in. You know, the, the first few uh, that we're going to talk about today, Raymond, is what does leadership mean? Right. Yeah. Specifically in this moment. I want the audience to get a sense of what it means to you um, and how that shows up in your day-to-day work. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. And it's, I will say that um, there's so many different definitions of leadership and it's uh, evolving, not only in a, from a, you know, curriculum standpoint of what those who are learned <laughs> would say what leadership is, but individually it's, it's developing. So for me, where I've kind of arrived at it is just really that ability to influence. Uh, leadership is influence. Uh, it's motivation, it's influence, it's collaboration, but doing so with teams, um, not doing it in isolation, but working with individuals, uh, being able to influence them, to motivate them to uh, do great things. And so another part of that definition is actually the focus of leadership. So leadership is future focused. It recognizes what's happening today, but it's also looking towards the future. Um, and I think that's one of the things that separates it from management is, you know, management is keeping things running, but leadership is thinking about how things can run better. You know, we talked about this before, you know, that there's some intersects between the two quite a bit. But I really think that leaders and managers, there has to be some fluency in between the two, but really leaders are looking at the future. They're influencing, they're motivating, they're collaborating with teams, and they're really trying to make an impact on the future. And in the work that we do, we're trying to impact higher education. I appreciate the the dimes you just dropped, um, yeah. not only in terms of thinking about leadership and management, right? And, and you pulled out the thread that I've, I've also shared in different spaces, which is this notion that leadership is that vision casting piece, that forward thinking piece, yeah. that destination, that North Star, and the management piece is kind of that journey along the way and, and moving the pieces along, but also taking the moment to recognize those short victories or short wins along that particular yeah. journey. So I appreciate you bringing that to life. But the other piece that just stands out to me the piece about team, right? Yeah. This notion that you're not leading by yourself. Leadership doesn't happen in isolation. And not only in terms of thinking about that you have to have followers or has to be followership, but in terms of, of leading collectively, leading as a group, leading as a team, leading as a unit. And I appreciate you kind of bringing that to our audience today and thinking of terms of, of doing it with others, doing it together. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. I guess the other piece of it, too, is that it's not necessarily tied to a position. And there are people that are currently in our organizations that may be entry level, maybe, you know, um, you know, middle of the road there as well. But they have those components of leadership and recognizing that and not necessarily tying it so much to to a position or a role. I think about maybe you or I when we were admission counselors, there was a way that we went about our work that separate us from other folks, some of the ways that we looked at things, some of the questions that we asked that apparently got the attention of somebody because 
look where it's gotten you so far. And I'm I'm looking at you specifically because when you think about it, you know, it's about asking the right questions and not just being so focused on on uh, what's going on right now. And man, one thing I know about you, you got questions. <laughs> I always got questions. Uh, but I, you know what? The, the, the thread that came through here is is influence. Right. So you you don't have to have a title. You don't have, right. to have a, a, a resume that depicts all of these responsibilities, not only collectively, but also in terms of personnel to have good. Right. And so I appreciate you kind of bringing light to that thread that it can happen at any point in time in your journey, whether you have a list of reports or not. Um, and it also right. makes me think of one of my favorite Maxwell books, John C. Maxwell, in terms of the 360 degree leader, right? Mm. Um, not only in terms of where you may be in terms of an organization, but also in terms of being able to have a, a leadership influence all the way around you, whether that's uh, those that are reporting to you, those that work alongside you as collaborative partners, as well as those that that may oversee you in some capacity, but it doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to influence them, to have impact on them and to show up as a leader for them. So we've got another few that we want to touch base on. Absolutely. Uh, this is one of the ones that I kind of lit up on when when you were sharing kind of what you were thinking about. Um, and it's I call it I call it a gym. I wrote it down as a gym, you know, that, that diamond in the rough. Um, and it's leading through change. There's there's been a lot of things that have taken space, not only uh, at a micro level, but also a macro level in terms of thinking about the pandemic and other things. So yeah. just shed light for for our audience, unpack that and what you mean by leading through change. The reality is that challenges are many in everything that we do from funding and enrollment issues to the many of us on the public sphere. We have a completion agenda that's been handed to us. And so there's a need for innovative ways to deliver the services that we've been delivering for years. And I think one of the things that that happened quite a bit, we've been talking about different innovations but we found ourselves in a quiet space during the pandemic. And a lot of the things that we were talking about, we had this opportunity to um, to really put some of those things into action. We kind of were forced to. Uh, it was a matter of survival. I think it's important that we begin to look for leaders who are ready for this time in this place. And we cultivate that type of leadership. You know, one of the things that I think about when I talk about change, I think about the work that we do and the fact that we work in higher education is probably one of the few places where you've got so many gen different generations uh, that are working together. You've got your, well, I mean, to be honest, and, and you look at my office, we got baby boomers, we've got Gen Xers, we've got uh, millennials, we got them all working together for one goal. The way that each and this is a general statement, but there are definitely experiences that each one of those generations brings to a conversation on leadership. And to be quite honest with you, some of the younger generations have real passion and mission behind the the way that they go about their work, and particularly as it relates to traditionally marginalized communities. And then we also look at it from the standpoint of how diverse is that leadership? You know, how important mentorship is a part of uh, that ability to develop leaders are going to be able to address change. Um, so it's interesting. And I think that intergenerational environment brings challenges uh, when addressing transformative and systemic change. I just wanted to say that because I think that's the 
the baseline of it, if you would. But then that ability to diagnose challenges, to mobilize partners, to be a part of a process, to bring real improvements, not not surface level improvements to to the work that we do and overall enhancing uh, the strength of an organization, um, the vitality of an organization, whether that's a small private institution um, that is dependent upon every class for tuition revenue, a large flagship like where I work, where the class is is important, but also it's a, it's more of a also an access kind of uh, discussion. So I just think that change, the change leadership also speaks to our ability to be able to mobilize and build relationships across teams to address that capacity that we have. So I think the other part of it is, too, is that you know, we have to understand that our organizations can be both productive and dysfunctional, <laughs> you know, and identifying what that is may also be a part of the change. Somebody told me something, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Right. And so understanding where where there are opportunities and where we can be more productive and address the dysfunction, because sometimes the dysfunction is embedded. You remember that old who uh, who moved my cheese you know, some of that stuff is just so much a part of the the organization that to move it or to change it or to address it or call it out, you know, you you might be likely to have kind of a an uproar on your hands within the organization itself. So but then I think utilizing the the generational differences that you have to address that from their lens is also an important aspect of change leadership as well. Let me follow up with a, a question. You use terms and thinking about diagnosing, mobilizing, <laughs> right? And so within space, there's doing that within the context of the pandemic with yeah. these varying generations, with these varying lenses, with yeah. uh, these varying backgrounds. As your organization or the institution that you are leading or yeah. in terms of the organization, the ACAC space, have you seen any change play on terms here, but have you seen any change to the approach in leading through change from when we were in the crux of the pandemic to as we, what I would say, continue to move a little further away from ground zero? Have you seen the process and approaching change different because one seemed maybe more immediate, like because of this pandemic, we got to think about solutions and things right now versus transitioning back into a space where we can kind of come back to the 100 foot view, 500 foot view and not have to be so ground floor. And that's a that's a tough. I mean, that question right there in and of itself is that's a whole episode because I'm asking that question on a daily basis. And that's a part of my reflection with my leaders and my supervisors. I guess the bigger question is, like, what did we learn in in our ability to move swiftly uh, based on force that that we want to continue, that we want to progress? And what did we do away with that we are (laughs) <laughs> no matter what we try, it's tr- we're trying to bring it back to life. You know, we're trying to, you know, replicate it. And I think about the lessons that we learn. I think one of the biggest things, bigger things is we started listening to people a little bit more. We started to have conversations. And sometimes, you know, you get so caught up in the work that you forget to talk about the work and the impact of the work. And um, and I, when we talk about the different generations, I think, you know, there are definitely 
some benefit to that, to mobilize some of the younger generations, to help them understand the why, the importance of the why. I was just in a meeting with a staff person who um, is leaving uh, an industry that they're making good money, um, but they don't feel that they're they're living out their mission in the work that they're doing. And but they're leaving a substantial salary to come to do the work that we do. Part of me again, keep listen, I'm a Gen Xer. So I'm like, OK, so I'm motivated by a lot of things, but a paycheck is among them. <laughs> I respect the willingness to just restart. And I think if if an organization can run like that, if an organization can run at a point where, listen, we need to just stop and we need to regroup, think about what what it is that we're trying to accomplish and, you know, what are the challenges that are ahead of us and be willing to take a little bit of risk in doing that. I think that's the that's what we can learn from from, you know, some of these experiences that we've had. And obviously, you know, people don't want to come back to work the way that they were working. Right. I don't know if you've had that challenge, but, you know, across the board, you know, people have realized that they can be productive at home. I'm com- I'm I'm in an office uh, right now, but I also can can tell you, you know, I, the pandemic gave me an opportunity to spend some more time with my daughter, take her to school, pick her up, have conversations with her that that I may not have had before. And so. There's also that functional piece of it as well, because, you know, I always think about leadership in so many different ways, but also think about um, the idea of fellowship and spiritually, you know, that's really important to me. And I also feel like maybe that pandemic was something that provided me an opportunity to, to really focus in on what's important as a part of my life so that I can be a better uh, leader uh, for the group that I serve as well. So, yeah, I'm not sure if that gets directly at your question, but I but I think there's so many conversations that we were able to have during that crisis that may have changed our approach and maybe maybe uh, centered us more uh, personally, centered us more and being able to have conversations with with folks about the work and the impact of the work. And I think those are some of the things that we need to carry forward. Thank you. And yeah, I, I feel like you did address it. And then some <laughs> bonus, you know, in yeah. terms of thinking about what it means to move from a space where we were able to implement change swiftly, where before yeah. we hadn't really modeled that as an industry, we haven't, no, um, let alone within our own organizations, to then thinking also about this other seed you dropped, this other dime you dropped in terms of thinking about the ability to self-reflect yeah. on our own lives. And if everybody that is a part of moving an institution or an organization forward is doing that, then it also changes the game in your approach. And so I appreciate you sure. tagging in on both of those pieces. Yeah, man. Um, you know, we've had a chance now to talk about just generally speaking, if you're if you're a person who likes to build on top of things. So we we started with this notion of what is our foundation, how are we defining leadership to then thinking about what does it mean to lead through change? And and now there's this other piece, and I feel like they're all related because in our space, we have to yeah. think about this piece. I'm going to introduce it here slowly, but this piece is a very big part of the work that we do in some capacity. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's a part of a lot of different industries, not just our own in, in terms of absolutely. Yeah. And so this, this third piece, this third hue for our audience is the sense of being data driven versus making data informed decisions. So 
you know, talk to me about that in terms of the verses. Yes, sir. And, and again, how does that show up in Raymond's life? Man, hey, brother, listen, this is a gem that I, full disclosure, this is something that I, a realization that I came to uh, this summer. You know, you talk to people all the time and one of the catchphrases is I'm data driven. We're data driven. It's trite. And but it's some may say it's short sighted the way that I see it, it's short sighted. Right. Because, you know, the term data driven is used describing the fact that we're responding to market environment solely based on the data results. Um, There's a lot of decisions that we could make uh, based solely upon the data. And I and I'll be honest with you, I don't really think you need a human to make to be data driven. I don't think that humans uh, are needed in that space. But data informed, it's different in that uh, it basically puts the data in its place. So data is one of many components that drive change and decision making. You you don't diminish the data. The data is important. The data can both inform and drive change. But the framing of data informed leaves room for other factors that are less reactive. Right. Um, So current trends may call for data informed leaders to who consume the facts, innovate, and then make sense of the data. You know, brother, you've been doing what you're doing for a long time. I've not looked at your numbers or anything of that nature, but I know that there's probably some things that you see, some little quirks that you see that you that may pop up and it doesn't phase you because you know that, well, the data may say this, but I've been there and I know what this is about. I know that this is a this this could possibly uh, be telling us something else or the way that I want to respond to this in spite of what I see in the data is this way. And, and, and so, like I told you, we don't we're we're in positions of leadership because we're bringing with us that special sauce. And the data is just one component um, that we use uh, to move the needle. It's so important, man, because you know, we're trying to provide access to students. And so and we know the data is gathered at the state, at the national level, um, you know, helping people understand perceptions and expectations and behaviors of students around higher education. And it's in its informing policy and practice. But um, data just sits to measure and we need to put it in its place. We need to put it in its place. And I'm not, I, I, you know, because I mean, some people may hear this and be like, oh, my gosh, this do you work in college? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing about what you said. Right. And I'm I'm going to pull a thread through, but I'm I'm a shed light in a, in a little different way. OK. Like you were sharing in terms of using data to make an informed decision. And in, in many ways, the example was in relationship to the to the students that, that we yeah. are serving in the way in which that comes through. And obviously, there's another thread on revenue generation and all those. other. Yeah, things. absolutely. But the other piece is, is the people that are charged to be in our care. Right. And so yes. this is one of those things that is, has been interesting. And in, in thinking about my evolution as a leader is is. People are measuring us by the numbers we do or don't bring in uh, in terms of the the volume and the end of the class, um, how that class is shaped, uh, the ingredients that are making up that that total number, uh, how diverse is the group, what's the academic profile, what majors is it? The piece that isn't assessed is is what happened in the year to help that team grow as individuals as well as a collective unit. And that's not always going to show up in the data. You can have a, a... enrollment year where you didn't hit the goal, but man, your people grew. 
And that's wow. one of those things where it's like, well, aren't I also being charged with that? Aren't I also being charged with developing the next leaders, regardless of what role they want to have, where they see themselves in space? That's, that's good. also a part of our work, but that's not necessarily what people jump to to measure if you're a good admission leader, if you're a good enrollment leader. Yeah, well, did they hit the numbers? Because that's what the well, you can hit the numbers and not necessarily be good at developing and cultivating human facts, um, man. And, Tell, and, say that. Like so, we like we say back in at, back in the old church, say that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the piece where again it, it was a thread that you were pulling through yeah. that made me think of that, where there are so many instances within our work, and I'm sure for our audience, there are elements of their work, elements of the things that they lead, where there may be measure and assessment pieces tied to data. Right. Yeah. Or there, there may be things that are shaped by what the data is introducing, but there may be other elements that that are more on the art side, not the science side that we yeah. be mindful of. So, you know, I appreciate that, my brother. Yeah. Like you're saying, you you know, basically what, what I'm if I put it summarize is like providing vision, you know, building trust, um, strengthening the organization while promoting equity access fairness and responsibility along those lines um you know you can do that in a data informed way the reality is you know the truth you like you said you don't make the class there are some spaces where hey, listen you didn't make the class this we ain't got nothing else to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, I thought you was this close to dropping a Bible verse. I was like, my brother came to play today. We've had a chance to talk yeah, man. about defining leadership, yeah. you know, leading through change, and also the variation between being data-driven and how that's kind of presented in space and what it means to be data-informed in the, in the decision-making. Let's transition as we get ready to conclude and, and talk about a, either an instance where more recently you've been exposed to kind of a new theme in leadership that yeah. you hadn't necessarily had in your portfolio, or in a humbling way, in an in a instance where you want to pull the wall down and, yeah. and further let people into Raymond's life. Is there an area of leadership that you've struggled with in building and becoming competent in, um, but it's a work in progress and it's something that you continue to, to push forward? 100%. There's the, as I said earlier, there's probably a whole episode on, on, what Raymond can do better as a leader. And I think acknowledging that is is key, first and foremost. One thing that I will share, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, alluded to it, is the difference between leadership and management. And I was in a class recently and the discussion came up like leaders are born, right? Or are leaders, no, the question was, are leaders born or are leaders, is it something that people grow into? Some folks, you know, when that question was posed, this was in a, a class setting. Um, some people responded that, oh, yeah, leaders are born, born leaders. That's it just sounds some people were like, no, you can't be born a leader. The discussion ended with us agreeing that that everyone can develop and can grow into being a leader. You have some people that have natural communication skills, natural charisma about them that is uh, magnetism, right? It, it just brings people uh, closer to them. Uh, but the reality is you have to learn and you have to practice at being a leader. You have to um, work at it. You have to read a book. You have to take a look at something like Bowman and Deal's leadership frames and make a decision as to where your leadership lies. Is it a human resource frame? Is it a 
you know, a symbolic frame? Is it a political frame? And so on and so forth. So the reality is you need to learn this and you can be a better leader by learning. And so for me, the biggest challenge has been that uh, intersection of management and leadership. This is a full transparent moment. I enjoy a lot of managing what I can see. If a, a way to accomplish a task is presented to me and, you know, you basically have it all laid out and this step, that step, that step, it's uh, I can replicate that thing. I can improve upon that thing. But in spaces where I need to completely revamp, that's an area of growth for me. That's one of the one of the reasons why I began to study um, leadership a little closer as well is because, you know, what is it about my specific uh, frame, my specific background that is an inhibitor? And and what is it that I can draw from that's going to help me uh, move forward as a leader as well? I think the the that dichotomy between leadership and management is something that I am constantly working on, working towards. Um, and then there are some spaces where I'm all leader. Man, I I have to go and approve time. <laughs> and so one of the one of the tasks, if anyone is listening, is in this space. I I wouldn't I would challenge you to go look at your your job description and look at you know i don't know if everybody does it this way but some job descriptions will have like 10 percent this 15 percent, 20 percent. but i want you to take the things that you think that are in that breakdown and put them in two columns one column is going to be management and one column is leadership if you find that a greater percentage of your job leans one way or another and that how does that and then also kind of reflect upon how that connects with your character, then you have a recipe for something that you can work to improve. You have a, a syllabus, if you would, you know, on, on what you need to do. And that's kind of what I've been doing as well. A great deal of my job is is thinking about how we can be more effective in communicating to students, in reaching students, in connecting with them from a communication standpoint, from a publication standpoint, um, from the type of people that we hire standpoint, you know, just across the board, that whole idea of recruitment all encapsulated in one. And that's also search. That's all of that. And so I've got the, the framework, if you would. Now the challenge is how can I imagine something completely different outside that that helps me accomplish these goals, but isn't necessarily this is what is the delivered work? Uh, because I think that's what we're called to do right now. I mean, if you think about it, we're operating in a volatile kind of situation. I mean, you you know, uh, traditional search is is changing. Um, you know, we went through a, a, a space where we weren't getting. Um, and again, I know that your listeners are not necessarily in higher ed. They're across the board. But, you know, when we talk about search, we're talking about identifying talent early in the in the high school, in their high school career. Maybe some even be earlier than that. Um, so in our in our traditional sources of identifying talent, some of that went away when we when, you know, students weren't testing. So we have to be creative on how we go out and do that. So. I'm challenging myself to to see what this manual says, but then also not be afraid to create my own manual and 
And, and I think it's important because it's those people that are going to create their own manual by all means, brother, you know, get that manual that's out there, understand it, read it, have it committed to memory, but also what else can I do? How else can I, can I engage with students? What is, what is uh DJ not doing? That's, that's really what I need to be doing. Saying to myself, what is DJ not doing? Because I know DJ is, is doing everything innovative and, and he's got the manual covered, but I need to know what else, what can I, how can I push the envelope and challenge our current thinking? So, you know, that, that's just one aspect of it, but I think it's important that, like you said earlier, leaders being future focused is so vital. I appreciate you um, reflecting on that. And as a person of uh, a lens where I review my job description, I've not looked at it in a way in which you just shared with our, our audience in terms of what I would qualify as leadership lens and what I would qualify as management lens. It's been through this lens of this is what you asked me to come in here and do. Uh, this, is, this is what I said I would do. And am right. I doing those things? And yeah. how do I continue to check myself and, and, and check the pulse on how I'm contributing to the campus community based on what was asked of me? But but this is a new way to, to look at that. So I appreciate you, you sharing that with our audience. I want to make sure that I take time to, again, thank you, Raymond, for not only your time today on the podcast and, and highlighting these these hues, but also in reflecting on a piece that you're still working through in terms of versus management and how that shows up in your day to day. You continue to be a friend to me. You continue to be a mentor and a colleague. And not only in terms of the professional work, um, but also in how you lead your household uh, and how you're a, a leader in faith. And so I appreciate all of those pieces and, and try to reflect on those as I try to become a better leader, not only in space of enrollment, but also in terms of, of how I show up as a leader in my home and how I help my household move through their own faith journey. So just know that I appreciate that, my brother, and we're so grateful to have you on our show today. And likewise, I mean, thank you for uh, taking the time to, you know, have these discussions as well, because this is also making an impact in um, in so many people's lives, you know, just by you taking the time out to have these tough discussions and providing a space for people to be transparent um, on their journey as well. I know this isn't anything that you have to do. So on behalf of all the listeners are going to be blessed by this. I just want to say thank you. You're welcome. And um, as a person of faith, when you feel like God keep keep poking at you like you, hear you. you at some point of you, you kind of like, okay, I hear you. Um, Amen. <laughs> so listen to our guests, you know, as you transition to work or home from work, as you head into lunch or you're transitioning between meetings, as you transition in professional development time that you have for yourself each day or during the week, or as you transition between work and time with your loved ones, Let's reflect on today and let's reflect on the hues that we show up with in our day-to-day -day lives. Thank you for tuning in to the Hues of Leadership podcast. And remember to ask yourself, what hues will I use today and which ones will I seek to further develop? Thank you. Thank you.